This comes from the question of, of the whole series called Say What? And this is the question. It says, how do I bring family members to Christ? There's a bit of information on there. So I saw this, this question and I thought, this is an interesting one. It's probably a bit more jam-packed than we might think it is. It's more than just, oh, if I have six points to give you of what to do, how to reach your family for Christ, they will all come to Jesus Christ and there'll be no issue. If only it was that simple. But as far back from the beginning of time or from the beginning of our time, there's always been order in the kingdom of God. Always. That even goes back to the beginning of what we understand this time or where we understand at the end of our time, there's always been order. From the beginning of eternity, well, even you can't even say the beginning of eternity, in eternity, there is always an order to things. And it's important to understand this order, how things work, because it makes, it makes other stuff make more sense. And since even the establishment of the new covenant, or when Jesus Christ died and rose again for us all, and established that new covenant for us, or even, if you want to put it, after Christ, there is still an order to how things work. The Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost to minister to humanity, to bring them to Christ. He brings us to the cross, to the point of salvation. Right? It represents, like a, if you want to call it, the point of reset. Or maybe the point of reestablishment, or the point of revelation, if you want to call it that way. But it's the work of Jesus in our lives that takes us to the Father. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and no one, oh, sorry, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. Meaning, anyone who thinks they have a relationship with, with God without going through the way, that is Jesus, you will also need to know the truth, who is a person, who is Jesus, and you will need to be born again into the family of God and have new life through Jesus Christ. That is the only way to understand a relationship with God. I've met people who, um, and family members who thought that they have a relationship with God but didn't need Jesus. It just doesn't make sense. But then when you understand why they say those things, if they want to have a relationship with God or call themselves having a relationship with God, but without Jesus, it's a, a lack of accountability. It means I don't have to do anything. Here's the truth, and this is really important, because I had to read this question in the, the spirit that it was written in. Because uh, my little head goes with red flags um, and says, oh, the question isn't correct. How do I bring family members to Christ? The truth is, we do not bring anyone to Christ. Because it's not our role. It's not our job. It's not our position. Our position in the kingdom of God is to be a witness. That doesn't mean we don't reach out to people. That doesn't mean we don't share Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't invite them to church. That doesn't mean we don't preach the gospel or we don't share who Jesus is. It just simply means that we are unable to bring someone to Christ. It is the inner working of the Holy Spirit in them that actually draws them to the cross. 
but we are his witnesses. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now in context what it's talking about is the known world. And that known world has spread now a little bit further. And now it's talking about the whole world. He says, you will receive power with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in all of the known world. All of the world. Now in a court of a law, a witness will give a testimony of accounts to what has happened. And as you, if you've ever had that opportunity to be a witness, it's terribly exciting you have to go swear on the Bible, depending on what, what your religion is. You have to go there and make an oath to say what you're saying is truthful. You give a testimony of what is taking place. That's what it's like to be in a witness in a courtroom. Now our position in Christ is to give a testimony of what the Lord has done in our lives. A true account and to share our testimony. What has Jesus done in your life? Or what is he doing? In Revelations 12, 11, it says, And they, meaning all of us, overcame him, meaning the enemy, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even when faced with death. We don't wait till we are whole or adequate to be used by God, because you will be waiting forever. It's the whole point of having God that makes you whole. Waiting to be whole to serve, waiting to have more before we give, waiting to know more before I share, waiting to have the answers, means I will be just waiting. We start and we learn through the process. God is not silly and understands that we will make many, many mistakes. This is the awesomeness of God because even if, as I am learning to share the gospel or share to another person, God is, in, God is able to work even in my inadequacies, even in my lack of knowledge, even in my ignorance, even in my stupidity, even in my zealousness, even in any other mistake that I might make. God is able. And this is where it becomes really, really interesting. I don't need to know all the answers before I start sharing. It's the true account of Christ that lives through us, depending, of course, on the allowance we give him. That becomes our testimony. Meaning, my testimony of what Jesus Christ has done through me becomes my testimony or my living testimony, my living epistle that all people see. See, I am saved from myself. I am being saved from myself. And I am being saved to glory. I have the promise and the assurance that because I made a 
a declaration. I, because I came into that place of not only just belief, but belief means more than just words of saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. Actually, I've got another question that I could go into right now, but I'll hold off. But the context of the word belief means more than just, oh, I believe. It's actually, I believe and do. And because I believe and do, the actual account of Jesus Christ working in me becomes, as me, becomes a living epistle or a living letter of what God is actually doing through me. And that's why I am being saved from myself. I am being saved from myself and I am being saved to glory. It's a constant process of working in me, depending on how much I let him work. It's the gospel mention or constant. It's the gospel working in me, the gospel of what he's done for me. I had, he had died and resurrected for me, even yet while I was still a sinner. There is a misunderstanding in the Christian role. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us to Christ. Not me. I can say a prayer with you. I can say you some words and gently lead you. But if you're not in that place to actually be open to receive him, it doesn't matter what I say, he'll fall on deaf ears. It's the testimony of our faith becomes a story for all the people to share. The peace that we walk in. I, I've, this journey I've been on, to be completely honest, has, has taken me away from a lot of my theology that I once had. And has really gained me an understanding of uh, my inadequacy and how God works in us. I was talking to someone, actually it was my sister-in-law just yesterday. She has heard it as she broke her wrist. I said, oh, that'd be right. <sighs> Trying to take the glory. But in the process of my life, to be completely honest, in the process of even my hardest times, my hardships, my difficulties, my challenges, right? And none of us are exempt from it. So this thought process of having this perfect life, that God always heals everything, that we just walk through glory and just are a magnificent species of Christianity, that life is easy is just a load of rubbish. But it's Jesus in our hardship. It's Jesus shining through our hardship that actually becomes our testimony of who he is. I mean, you think about it. We are broken people. I mean, we really are. If you don't know how broken people are, you don't spend enough time around people. We are so broken. We are so deceptive. We think about ourselves. There are odd times, and there are some good people out there, but even... Our, the goodest, goodest, the, good, the gooder a person that can exist on this planet is not even a match for the goodness that is God.
And God takes this imperfection that we are, this pathetic, it is pathetic, I'm, I'm being a bit real, okay, this pathetic source of humanity and moves through it when he is allowed to. And through the whole process of going through life, he shines. I had a surgery cancelled a couple of times ago, a couple of, a couple of years ago. I got right to the, just outside the operating room. I was on the gurney. They give me my IVs. I had a head full of sensors. Everything was ready to go. They were umming and ahhing about this little cut I had on my, on my arm. Took photos of it, discussed with people, held off, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, they came and said, no, no, we can't risk it. I'm like... We could, have, we could have come to this conclusion like an hour ago. So they wheel me out to recovery. And all the nurses are really apologetic, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's not your fault. But you can understand why they're like that, right? You can understand the frustrations. Actually, when I went in this, or well, last week, I was in pre-op and this lady, she was very irate. She was swearing her head off. She was going berserk and, and I found out later her, her operation had been cancelled and she was not very happy. And I was like, wow, God, how, how important it is for our testimony, right? Not just what I share out of my mouth, but what I live is imperative to these people. The words that I speak. Now, anyone with half a brain knows that our, our health system is under-depleted right now, Right? Some genius came up with this concept that all nurses should be vaccinated after they'd already worked for 18 months during the pandemic. And all our medical staff are overworked, overstrained. And you can imagine that somebody coming out who's irate. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have a genuine reason to be upset. But do you think that going berserk changed anything? But how about the testimony of saying, it's okay, next time. Being cool, calm and collective and just walking through the process, what does that speak? Oh, when one of the nurses, oh, I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do? Oh, it's okay. I had one of the nurses who said, how come you're so cool, you're so calm? I'm like, I don't know, probably because I've got Jesus. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Huh? Because it's Christ in me, right? I'm his witness. I'm the witness because a witness gives an account of what they have seen and what they have experienced, right? You go down to a local store and you see something the police are going to ask you, you're a witness, what did you see? So in my life, when I'm going through difficulties and challenges, my witness is what is God doing through me. I don't like the concept or the word Christian because it is so overused in the wrong context. But if you understand how it was given in the first place, because in the early church, it was given as a derogative term. It actually means little Christ. 
And today people use it. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because my mother's great-grandmother's cousin's friend uh, went to Mass once. But in truth, a Christian is a little Christ. We are a witness of not only that Christ died for all mankind, but that Christ is living and working in me. Today, one of the saddest issues that I I see throughout the church, throughout people's lives, is the compromising Christian. The amount of compromising we do to fit in. John 17, 14 to 6 says, I have given them your word, and the word has hated them, because they are not of the world. As even, as even, uh, even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even, even as I am not of the world. Meaning this. As soon as we become born again, as soon as we go through that experience with Jesus Christ, we are made anew. We are no longer made of this world. We are no longer fit in. We are born into the new family of God. We are born for new things. We are born for eternity. We are new creations. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. That means the world has nothing on offer for me. But I have seen so many times the fact that we Christians or people that I know compromise my words carry weight but my actions carry weight. And when you put actions and words together they carry a greater weight. And I see too many times the fact that we as a church have lost our authority because we have compromised on our actions or our words. Or they do not line up. I mean, to be completely honest, why on the earth would the world want what we have? Why on earth would they want Jesus when we do a really, really, really bad job? in being a witness for him. None of you guys. You guys are awesome. See, I can't say anything unless I live it. I feel convicted. If I say something and I don't actually live it, it's like saying, oh yeah, I'm a marathon runner. Man, I've never run a marathon in my life. I do not like running. And right now I have a really good excuse. Here is the reality. Jesus made the religious feel uncomfortable. Their words and their actions did not line up and nor did their hearts. Now this is not a call to be perfect. So let's let's just take that concept and throw it outside because no one is. There will be days when we will fall short. Well, there will be more than one day. But being a witness is about constantly going back to him and constantly letting him working in me. So whenever I'm doing stuff, 
in his name. He's getting the glory, not me. And he's shining, not me. And I'm being his witness and I'm telling people what he's done to me. Oh, I'm not perfect, people. But you know what he did for me? He took me from, from I don't know, from that pit of despair. And he took me on this journey and started speaking to me and guiding me, leading me through his word. And it's the process of being led through the word, directed and guided and being open. Because people, let's be open. That's, that's the biggest thing is open to hearing and being directed. Jesus gave a parable of the four soils. And he did it through sowing and reaping. He said, look, you cast the seed. Because that's, that's our job. We're to the, cast the seed. But you have no idea what it's going to land on. And Jesus' story goes through the four soils, meaning the four depths of our heart, four different degrees of our heart where our heart can be. There was the path, the rocky, the hard soil where it'd be compressed. Nothing was getting in there. Doesn't matter how much you water that, it's rock solid. Nothing is growing. Nothing will take root. Then it came to the to the rocky soil. And the seed was able to take root, but because there was no depth in it, it withered. Then there's the soil with the thorns in it, where you know this, the seed takes root, but the thorns strangle it. Meaning, you take on the word, but then this thing called offense comes in and strangles out the word. And then the last soil is talking about the good soil where the seed can actually take root. Our job as Christians is to make sure that our hearts is good soil so any word spoken can be received and can grow and develop in us. But if we don't make the time to cultivate our hearts, prepare our hearts, it doesn't matter what or how good the message is. It doesn't matter how truthful what is being told. It can't take root. I've known Christians who have been in the Lord for 60 years, and you swear, they didn't move from their first year. I mean, Christianity is about being uncomfortable. I mean, we weren't made for this world. We were born again, set free from the tyranny of this world. That doesn't mean we are excused from it, but it means that when we go through the difficulties of life, we can still lift up our hands and praise Him. When I'm going through sickness, it doesn't, I'm not sitting there going, oh, I'm made well in Jesus' name and oh, I'm always well. And, oh. No, it means He is my healer and He has the possibility or the power and authority to heal me. But even if I do not get my healing, I will still praise your name. I mean, if you read this book, the amount of stories in it where God did not come through for his people. And then there are awesome stories where he did. But the attitude of his people, his chosen people used, was remarkable. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, right? They're, they're facing the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar says, well, let's make it seven times hotter. I don't know how you make a fire seven times hotter, right? I don't know how to make it really hot. It may be hot, hot, but I don't know how you make it seven times hotter. I mean, it was so hot that as the people, it talks about the fact that people were going close to it and they were dying. And their response was, well, you know what? If we burn, we burn. If we die, we die. What does it matter?
Jesus made the religious feel uncomfortable. Jesus made people feel uncomfortable. And he was the truth. So don't, be, don't think that you, people are just going to love you no matter what you say. Because they won't. But we need to let him work in us. This question drives from a very true place of wanting to know how to share to family members. And you might say, you, you've gone for a very weird direction. But you can't share to people until your life is louder than your own. We bear witness of him. What he has done in our lives. Now I have six important tools to being an effective witness. It's not about just having four. You need the full six. But there are no guarantees. Because everybody in this, this earth has, has one thing in common. Just one. It's we have choice. And each one of us has the ability to choose, to make choices. And we can choose to reject the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives or we can choose to receive it. And you can share to the cows come home to somebody. But if they're not in the right place, they're not ready to receive. If their heart's not ready, they're not willing to receive. And so I've found in my life that I need to do certain things and there's nothing as straightforward. It's not a guaranteed plan. If you do these follow six plans, you two weeks' time, boom. Right? It doesn't work like that. These are things that I have found that I'm constantly finding in the Word that I need to do that becomes part of the process of believing and standing for someone to know Jesus Christ. But the first thing that I need to do is make sure that I'm allowing Him to work in me because my life has to be a bigger voice than mine. My life of what He's doing in my life has to be louder than my own voice. The first tool is prayer. Mate, there ain't nothing more important than prayer. Prayer is the most important tool. And everything needs to start, finish with prayer. And of course, everything in between. Truth is, by nature, we are not prayerful people. If you think, as soon as you become a Christian, mate, I just want to pray. It, it doesn't work like that. Most of the time, you have to push yourself. You have to... Discipline yourself. You have to make the effort. But prayer is not just about making requests. Prayer is about aligning ourselves with the will of God. We pray for people to witness to. We pray for those who are our family members. We pray for those who we might meet. Maybe we have to pray for the, um, the fuel attendant. We pray for opportunities to share. And then we be a witness. Really that simple. We pray that we have those opportunities and we pray that we have the courage to take them. And we pray that we are always going to be a witness. 
That every action we do for that person, around that person, becomes a greater light than our own stupidity. Because there's a reason why some people go, what's different about you? Because of your witness. The second point is, and this one's a big one, don't compromise. Today's Christianity is the greatest weakness, is compromise. We compromise on our values, we compromise on our ethics, we compromise on our belief systems in order to feel accepted, which is ridiculous. We do it thinking we're reaching others, but we aren't. We're just becoming more like them. And if we're becoming more like them, why would they want what we have? Why are we giving up anything? See, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And what we have is the greater promise is greater than what we even have here. Like if you fully, truly understand that this time, this lifetime is only but a vapor, it's a small pizzle of time. And then there's this vastness of never-ending eternity. That what does it really matter what happens on this earth? Why do we compromise truth in order for the world, or thinking that the world will accept our compromised truth? It's, it's crazy. I mean, what's a Christian? What's a believer? We're supposed to be little Christ. We're supposed to be someone who holds to the values of what Jesus taught. To be part of the body of Christ. right? Not just to be, oh yeah, that works today. I mean, Jesus gave two laws. He, he changed the new covenant when he came through. And as he was doing it, he said, okay, look, there's 10 commandments. Well, there are 10 subheadings. There's like 615 laws, right? Then there's the tradition as a man. They're the man-made laws. But realistically, when you put them down to it, there's two. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And then he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Done. And if you do that, you fulfilled all of them. If I can love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, I'm halfway there. But if I can love my neighbor as myself, then I'm there. That's it. And when I fall short, I invite God in, or invite the Holy Spirit to help and be more than my inadequacies. Loving my neighbor doesn't mean I compromise my value on being part of the body of Christ either. Just want to clear that one up. Number three, I'm a witness. I share my testimony. I become a witness of Christ. Did you know there are over 10,000 people who live in Yarrabilla? The last census of information has come out. But there are only 479 that call themselves Christians. And that's not including Anglicans or Catholics. There's 1,431 Catholics and 665 Anglicans. But my question is, where are they? Where are the witnesses? I mean, no wonder the, the world doesn't want what the church has. 
But what I see, if you do the math, is this is good picking ground. This is going to be a good harvest. This is going to be really good harvest. Number four, share the gospel. Now the first of all is you can't share what you don't know. So learn it. And there are so many different methods to sharing our faith. There are so many different tools, there's so many different study things, there's so many different ways to do it. There's some ways that I like, there's some ways that I don't like. But if you don't know a way, you don't feel confident, just, just invite someone to church. I mean, we have invitation cards just out there on the table. You don't even have, enough, have to have enough courage to just give a card and run. There are trucks that you, tracks you can buy, and there are all different ways to share your truth with somebody else. But sometimes we don't like to be rejected either. And that can be the hard thing. Number five, be the light through your life. See, we are witnesses of Christ. And we carry something that needs to be revealed. We should walk in peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But if anything's been, t- if I've seen anything in this time of this COVID, is I have seen so many Christians who have not walked in peace but have walked in fear. Fear of what might happen? Who cares what might happen? John 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. At no point in time in the Word of God does God ever say in His Word, you will not have problems. But every time He says there is tribulation, He says, take courage, I have overcome the world. You have peace because you're in me. So my question is, if we're walking in fear, are we walking in Jesus? Because Jesus clearly says in his word, he says, you have peace because you're in me. We have peace not because of what we're going through, but he has already conquered it and given us the promise of the eternity. And this is a real cruncher. This is something I've learnt. If you can grasp this or grab hold of this one, it'll change your life. Our adversities aren't for us. Our adversities aren't for us. They are for someone else. The problem we have is when we face adversities or circumstances that are not favourable, that are difficult, we think about us and how it is affecting us. Us is not enough of a reason to get through it. And that is why so many people, when they face adversities, when they face traumas, cannot move through it. It's because they themselves are the only reason why they're trying to get through it. They fail to understand that adversities, traumas, difficulties, challenges, whatever you want to call them, is for somebody else. And my job is to get through it so I can share to help another. See, it's not about me. It's about something bigger. 
And when I understand it's about something bigger, the obstacle actually becomes easier to climb. It's about shining through the challenge, remaining in peace through the challenge. It's our life through our struggles that speaks actually the life of Jesus. Do you know when the church actually grew its greatest amount? It was through persecution. The early church flourished, but it was heavily persecuted. Do you know the fastest growing church in the world is not in America, and it's not in Australia. It's in China. And China suffers so much persecution, it's not funny. Most of the Christians in China have actually been in jail. If they find out you're a Christian, they lock you up. But it just flourishes. China is so... <laughs> you want to know something ironic is here. China is so interested about making money, right? That China is the largest printer of Christian Bibles in the world. They know how to make money. We will print the very thing that's not allowed in our country. But the ability to keep going, to remain sane, to keep smiling no matter what, and to still confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, can, you can be dying and still praising God, speaks the loudest witness to all those watching. And you don't even have to go that far. Your testimony of going through whatever you're going through and saying, you know what, God gets me through this. God is my strength. Is what speaks to other people. How can you be going so calmly when the world is falling a bit? Because I know who's in charge. I know the ending to the story. He wins. How can I go through surgery after surgery after surgery? And they're not fun. Trust me. No surgery is fun. Because I know that this is temporary, this body. And then I have the promise of what is coming. And if I have to go through some pain in order to help someone else, so be it. Number six. This is really important to understand. Everyone has a choice. The greatest thing that we have been given besides salvation is the power to choose. And with that comes an understanding that, it, that our loved ones also have the power to choose. They do not have to choose Jesus. But we need to show Jesus to them so they can choose him. But we also need to respect when they don't. Be Jesus to your friends and family. You chose him. So realistically, we should show, show them why they should choose him. It's not about what we give up. It's what we've gained. And I think there's too many Christians in there who don't quite understand what they've gained. We don't do a very good job of showing others that they should choose him. Not by our words, but by our actions. I am a little Christ. 
Not by my own ability, that's for sure. But by his power through me. By his grace, by his promises, by his word, by his deed, by his grace, by his mercy. I am a little Christ. And sometimes it's not about yelling from the rooftops. Sometimes it's living it. How do I bring family members to Christ? Be Christ to them. Share, pray, believe. Share, pray, believe. Share, pray, believe. And compromise and repeat. Share, pray, believe. Don't compromise and repeat. My mother was praying for me for like 10 years. I've got family members that I'm praying for. I think it's been more than 10 years. They're just fighting it. But if we don't live it first, we can't ask someone else to accept it. And we have the ability to invite the Holy Spirit to help us live it. Help us live His Word. To be honest and truthful to what He told us to be. To be honest and truthful to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior today, if you are far from Him, if you want to make it known today that you are a believer, that you are a Christian, that you want to follow Him for the rest of the days of your life, then I invite you to come and talk to me out the front. But we're going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. It's morning tea, there's tea and coffee. If you want to stay, have a chat, talk to someone, say hello. Encourage you to do so. We've got life group on this afternoon at 4pm. We invite you to come. It'll be a great time. If you want some gory stories, I can tell you some gory stories. But let's pray. Father, I thank you. The loudest voice that we can ever proclaim should be our lives. Father, I ask and invite your Holy Spirit right now just to help us, enable us, each and every one of us to walk worthy of you. When we fall and we slip, we don't quite meet the mark. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that I knew every morning that you fill the gap. Pour out in us, guide us and direct us, build us in courage and strength to share to all those that we know. Hold our loved ones dearly, Father. We just pray right now over every person's loved ones that they're believing for, praying for, and calling into the house. Father, we lift up those people. Father, we speak life upon them. We speak the wisdom and understanding of your word. We speak the revelation of truth that is a person named Jesus. We speak the anointing that will break the yoke and we call them into the house of God. We call them to salvation. We call them to new life. We break any holds. We break any boundaries. We break any walls that might look to prohibit them. We break pride. And we speak the name of Jesus upon their lives. Father, we bless your people today. 
as they go and do all that they're called to do this week. Bless them in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.